John, uh, the Apostle John spoke, uh, wrote in those words we read, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. David knew tribulation. And uh, the opening book of Psalms, this first book of Psalms, is full of uh, Psalms which relate to some of the trials that David faced. And this is one of those, Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good. Apart from you, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shale, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. May God bless his word. Psalm 16. Over the years, I've found myself saying more often to Christians, keep going, keep going. Perhaps this is in part because I've come to realize more and more how hard it is to keep going as a Christian and how important it is to do so. Paul, the apostle, kept going to the finishing line tells us in Timothy, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Not just me, Paul says, you keep going And it will be yours as well. Psalm 16 begins with a prayer by David. That the Lord will keep him so that he can and will keep going. Verse 1 he says, preserve me O God for in you I take refuge. David kept going. In his 20s. That was quite some achievement, because as a young man, David shot to prominence and fame, didn't he, with the killing of Goliath, and he occupied an important place amongst the Lord's people. He was, for many, the hero. 
the winner of battles, the young man in whom people came to place a high regard. And yet the king, Saul, became jealous because they sung a little song, didn't they? That day Saul had slain his thousands, but David tens of thousands. And that was too much for Saul. And Saul tried to pin David to the wall with a spear. And he tried again. And David realized that he couldn't remain any longer in the king's court. And he became an outlaw. He was on the run. He was a hunted man. A price on his head. Saul at times bringing his whole army, trying to track David down to kill him. Yes, life as a young man for David was hard. Just in his early 20s. And it went on, not just for weeks, but for a number of years. David was faced with that situation. The outlaw, the hunted man. But David kept going. And as a result of the trials that David faced and the Lord brought him through, we have many of the Psalms. And there's a richness in the Psalms that we can make our own prayers. John Calvin wrote of the Psalms, he called them an anatomy of the soul, for there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. Or rather, the Holy Spirit has here drawn to the life all the griefs, sorrows, fears, doubts, hopes, cares, perplexities, In short, all the distracting emotions with which the mind of men are wont to be agitated. It's all here, he says, in the Psalms. Whatever your condition, whether you're full of joy or whether you're right down in the dumps, there are Psalms which you can use when coming to God. We can learn from David. We can make Psalm 16 our own. And pray this prayer. The Psalms also give us a tremendous insight into the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus knew the Psalms. He prayed the Psalms. He quoted Psalm 22 on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How did Jesus keep going? He went all the way, set himself, his face like a flint, to go to the cross. How did he endure all the betrayal, the suffering, the agony? How did he have confidence and assurance of the resurrection, that death was not the end, that on the third day he would rise again? He said that on at least three occasions. Well, the answer is we find... In Psalm 16, in one of the passages that spoke to Jesus about what he would go through and what the Lord would do for him. So we're going to look at Psalm 16 with the question and looking for the answer of how can we keep going? How can we endure as Christians? Well, the first one, the first answer is, Keep going is the word dependence. Live in dependence upon God. 
realize that you cannot do so on your own. That's why David prays. Preserve me, O God. Why is he asking this? Well, he asks it with an argument that he uses to God as to why God should preserve him. He says, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. That's his opening prayer. That the Lord would keep him. George Muller wrote these words. He said, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. For I might seek to set the truth before the unconverted. I might seek to benefit believers. I might seek to relieve the distressed. I might in other ways seek to behave myself as it becomes a child of God in this world. And yet not being happy in the Lord, not being nourished and strengthened in my inner man day by day, all this might not be attended to in a right spirit. That phrase struck me that he begins with. How to have my soul happy in the Lord That morning by morning, that was his aim. I think that's where David is beginning this psalm. But David has that same desire. He doesn't want to just get through life. He wants to do so in a way that is right and fitting and pleases God. Preserve me, O God. I've taken refuge in you, Lord. He's saying, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. There is David seeking to be happy in his soul in the Lord. Some Psalms address particular crises in David's life. They're written in particular situations. And if you look at the little headings, some of them say what those situations were. But not this Psalm. This psalm is a general psalm. It's speaking of David's entire life, not just a moment of crises. But this is David's aim in his life, that he won't be relying on himself, his own wisdom, his own strength, but that he will be relying on the Lord, that his soul will be happy in the Lord. We need the Lord to keep us. In trials, when we run to him. Perhaps sometimes we respond better in trials than we do when everything's going well. When we're in trials, where do we go? Well, We know we need the Lord's help. But when it's more like the normal course of life, one day follows another, one week the next, and everything's going along sort of okay, 
it's very easy to find that we stop relying on the Lord and start coasting ourselves. And that's a danger. And that really is perhaps the first importance of this psalm in those opening words. Preserve me, O God, not just in the trials of life, but also in the blessings of life. When things are going well, then we need the Lord to keep us. Over the years, when I look back, I think I've seen more people turn away from following the Lord in prosperous times than I've seen turn away from him when they face trials. Often when you see believers in trials, sometimes it can be a privilege to share that time with them because you see the grace of God, you see them looking to the Lord and finding strength and help. But sometimes when things seem to be going okay and they're no longer relying on the Lord every day, that's when they've turned away. Faith Cook wrote a little book looking at some of the words of Samuel Rutherford. And she quotes there, grace grows best in winter. Grace grows best in winter. And I think that's true. That it is often in the trials of life when God brings those blessings to us. But maybe that's true more because when it's the summertime, in terms of the Lord's blessing... We begin to take things for granted and are no longer praying. Verse 1 of Psalm 16, preserve me, O God. Our Lord taught us this, if we stop and think, doesn't he, in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day, daily dependence upon the Lord. It's there in his prayer to teach us. Every day we need the Lord to keep us. Daily dependence on him. Remembering all the good that we have is from God. That he is good in our lives. James writes this in James chapter 1. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. All the good gifts from our Father above. So how do we keep going? We need to realize our constant dependence upon the Lord. Secondly, to delight in other believers. Verses 3 and 4. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will pour out or take their, I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. One of the ways God keeps us is through the ministry and prayers, encouragements, rebukes at times, and fellowship of other believers. Recently in uh, our midweek meeting, we've been uh, talking together about uh, a book by Philip Reikin. It's called Loving the way Jesus loves. It's based on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And he takes us through the chapters looking at the the love that hopes, the love that uh, endures, 
Uh, and each chapter as he goes through that verse. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. How Jesus loves us. And that's how we're to love one another. And it's not easy. It's very searching. But look how David describes what he thinks of other believers. He says, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Does your heart warm when you come here on a Sunday, five o'clock, and you see others who have come as well to share this time with you? They've come to worship, and we come together to worship. I can remember as a young Christian, I can remember a feeling that I had when uh, I'd been a Christian just for a little while, and uh, I hadn't been in church before for, for much at all. So I was getting to know Christians, and it struck me, the thought, You know, Christians are the best people in the world. I was just a teenager. And I just marveled at the the way that so many of these Christians had received me and were taking time to get to know me. And it's just that thought. I don't think I've ever lost that, really. Oh, Christians, we can be a trial to one another, can't we, at times? But when you're with the Lord's people, you are with the best people in the world. Do you feel that? And do we feel for those who are not yet Christians? David did. He says, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will pour out or take their name. uh, I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. What David is saying there is, I do not want to ever join with those who are not believers. I don't want to leave the company of the Lord's people. Why would I? They're the... Excellent ones. They're the people I delight in. Why would I want to go back to the world to spend my life without the fellowship of the Lord's people? Delight in the Lord's people and keep going with them. Thirdly, how do we keep going? Well, determine to count your blessings. Determined to count your blessings. Verse 5 and 6. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Back in the book of Joshua, we read about the way the Lord's land was divided up amongst the people. You didn't get to choose your land. The Lord chose for you. You were apportioned a plot of land. His, your land, and that of your family after you. A gift from the Lord. A gift for you. But what David is saying here is that more important than the land 
was for one who gave the land, the Lord. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The Lord who gave him the land, that's where the real treasure is. It's the Lord himself. When you see all the good things that you have as coming from the gifts of grace of the Lord, then all those gifts have a beauty. That's what he says here. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. He's teaching us to see God's gifts. You could imagine, couldn't you, some of the people looking at their land thinking, well, my land's got bigger rocks than his land next door. His soil looks more fertile than mine. And, you know, easy to become discontented with the portion of land you've got, thinking someone else over the fence, it looks better, the grass looks greener. But no, David is saying, every gift from God is precious Because it's the Lord giving himself to us. Not just the land, but the Lord who gave himself. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a beautiful inheritance. And that's one of the joys of being a Christian. The treasure in the field, that is Christ, isn't it? The pearl without price. That's our Lord. And that is ours when you are in Christ. One of the old hymns that we don't sing is not in our hymn books, but I can guarantee that many people will know it. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you're discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy? You're called to bear, count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly and you will keep singing as the days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. That's what David's teaching us to do. We keep going Remembering the Lord's goodness to us, counting those blessings. A Christian has a beautiful inheritance. Paul says in Romans 8, that if children were heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The blessings we have now are but a foretaste of the blessings to come in the new heaven and the new earth. Counting the blessings now encourages us to keep going in our earthly pilgrimage. Well, the fourth thing David has to say to us about keeping going is digest the word of God. Digest God's word. Verse 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Martin Luther once said, Scripture is alive. It speaks to me. 
It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold on me. That the Bible is a living book, the living word of God. The living word that is to live in us. Thomas Cranmer wrote uh, much of a liturgy in the prayer book, and here's one of his prayers. Blessed Lord, who has cast all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant us that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which thou hast given us in our Saviour Jesus Christ. That's well-known phrase. Hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. And that's what David's telling us to do here. Isn't he with the word of God? And it's what Jesus did. I said earlier that Jesus knew the Psalms. And I think he would have learned the Psalms off by heart. And as he learned the Psalms, so he would have seen there what God had revealed would happen to him. In Isaiah chapter 50, I think we see an insight into our Lord and some of his, the way he related to his father. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear. I was not rebellious. I turn not backward. I've given my back to those who strike and my cheek to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. An insight into something of what our Lord would suffer. But he tells us there how every morning, Morning by morning, Jesus listened to the word of God. And that's what David's telling us, doesn't he? In the day, in the night time. But so we will get to know the word of God. We will digest that word. Sinclair Ferguson. I don't know if you listen to any podcasts. There are uh, devices on these phones where you can download certain things. Sinclair Ferguson has uh, a new one. It's been going just for three or four weeks called Things Unseen. And it's just five minutes, uh, Monday through to Friday, uh, five minutes for it. He takes a theme each week. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, his theme was Worship. And he spoke there as something that uh, resonated with me. He talked about the blessings of coming for a second service of worship. He spoke about how the word of God cleanses you. And I can remember um, how good the Lord's day was to me when I was a student and when I was working. You you come to a, a Sunday morning, you're worn out from the week. You've got a day, the Lord's day, and you go to church in the morning and 
The singing of a hymns does you good, reminds you of truth. And you sit under the word of God. And it's a little like being cleaned out again from all that accumulates in your mind and heart in the week. And you're cleaned out and you, you have a morning service. And then you have that rest of that day. It's the Lord's day, not the Lord's half day. That's how for many people it's become. And I'm missing out on so much. It's the Lord's day. And you spend that day well. And then you come later in the day to have a second service. And this time, because of what the Lord has done for you in the morning, you're coming to that second service and the Lord's already worked in you. And so you're not the same person you were when you came to the first service because you've already spent time with the Lord. And it's like tuning the piano. One of my jobs at school when I was a youngster was always to greet uh, and take the piano tuner. He, he was blind and I used to wait at the school gate till he came and would take him in and his dog to the piano. And I used to marvel at how, though he couldn't see, he just seemed to know everything about that piano and he'd take bits of it off and tune it and do it. And uh, it's like that when you, you spent time with the Lord you, you got back into tune. And that piano, by the time he went and finished, that piano was back in tune and sounding great. And it's a little bit like in the morning service, your heart gets retuned and your mind gets retuned. And you spend the day well, and then you come again, and now you're in an even better position to receive from the Lord his blessings for you, which we need to sustain and keep us throughout the week. Um, I remember once I did um, did some calculations. I, I wish I'd kept them, but um, if you only go to one service, and you can go to two, some people can't. Well, that's all right. The, the Lord knows that. But if you if you can get to two services, you think how many more hours of scriptures that you're hearing being read out, and I think there's a blessing in the Word of God being read together which is different than just reading it at home on your own. How many chapters of the Bible do you not have if you, uh, over 40 years, say, of coming to church twice, if you're missing out on that 40 years of all the extra scripture reading and the time in prayer and the teaching of the word of God? It makes a huge difference in a life. So I'm delighted that you're here tonight and, and keep going with that. Um, uh, I I think that's what David is telling us here, didn't he? I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Set the Lord before you on the Lord's day. And be blessed by him. And then you're with him on the Monday and throughout the week. Sinclair Ferguson then, um, he says it far better than me, Uh, you can listen to it, unseen things, if you're into podcasts, if you download his one, unseen things, and uh, you can listen back to that week when he talks about worship there. Well, lastly, how to keep going? Well, look at the bigger picture, draw the bigger picture, live for eternity. Verses 9 
onwards. Therefore my heart be glad, my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shale, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus said to the two on the road to Emmaus, How foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Didn't you know, Jesus said? It's there in the Old Testament. Didn't you know these things would happen? The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, he said that uh, I received from the Lord that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Which Scriptures? What scriptures should they have realized spoke of a resurrection? Well, one of them is here at the end of Psalm 16, verse 9. Therefore my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shale, or let your Holy One see corruption. Peter quoted that on the day of Pentecost explaining how God had raised Jesus. And he quotes those words, explaining that David had died, that he's buried, that they all knew where his tomb was. No doubt they had been taken to it as children and took their children and grandchildren to see the tomb of David. But Psalm 16 spoke of resurrection. You will not abandon my soul. And there's the resurrection. Paul, in Acts 13, turns to the same passage. And uh, he says this, that uh, he raised, God raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He's spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. And he goes on and says, David, after he'd served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses." Jesus saw beyond the suffering and death he would endure. He saw by faith what God had promised, that he would not be abandoned to death. He saw Psalm 16, a prophecy about himself and his resurrection. That's what the writer to the Hebrews tells us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Jesus saw that big picture. 
That the cross was not the end. But that was God's plan. That he would be buried. And on the third day he would rise again. Because Psalm 16 told him so. How to keep going then? Well, we've had five Ds. Dependence. Live in dependence upon God. Delight. Delight in your fellow believers. Determine. Determine to count your blessings. Digest. Digest the word of God. And finally, draw. Draw the bigger picture. Psalm 16. Jesus prayed Psalm 16. Make it your prayer. For the Lord will bless you and keep you going right up to the finishing line. Let's pray. Father, at times it's hard to keep going. But we thank you that first of all that the Lord Jesus Christ kept going all the way to the cross. Knowing that he would suffer and die for our sins. That he would be buried And on the third day, he would rise again. We thank you that Psalm 16 spoke of this. We thank you that Jesus made this psalm his own prayer. And that we too can. For we feel our weakness and our need to keep going. And at times, Lord, you know that's hard. But we thank you that in you there is strength and grace and help in times of need. And we thank you, Lord, that Jesus has taught us. Every day is a day that we need your help. That we cannot live by bread alone, but we need your word. That we cannot reach that finishing line if you do not help us. And so, Lord, we pray that we may know what it is to receive that daily grace and strength and help. We pray, Lord, for any who have turned aside at this time. Oh, Lord, that you would restore them. Bring them back afresh to Christ, that they may know the joy of being saved all over again and feel what a privilege and what a wonder to be a Christian and become part of your people once more, Lord, in serving and delighting in you. We pray, Lord, that you will bless and keep us, the fellowship of the Lord's people, what blessings you have brought to our lives. Lord, we pray for the fellowship here that you will continue to bless and deepen and that the love for one another will grow and that there will be fruitfulness to your praise and to your glory. Bless your people, we pray, Lord. Add to their numbers those who shall be saved, we pray. And grant that continued sense and ever-growing greater awareness, we pray, Lord, of your presence with us day by day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.